Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Angle on Producers, the show where I spotlight producers from all corners of the entertainment industry to understand who they are, what they do, and why they do what they do. As always, I am your host and fellow producer, Carolina Gropa. I know I say this every episode, but I mean it. In a sea of things to see and consume, you tune into this show. And I am eternally grateful for that. In fact, a lot of you recently have been emailing me and DMing me questions that have been really, really interesting about your own paths and where you're stuck and things that you're navigating. And I think it would be really interesting to share some of those questions here with everyone. So if you feel comfortable with that, let me know because I would love to either pose those questions to future guests or answer the questions here live on air so everyone can benefit from the conversation. I hope you're doing well. And now let's get into why you're here. Like many of us, I've had my eye on Danny Melia since the farewell etched its way into our hearts. Told through the eyes of Chinese-American Billy, brilliantly played by Aquafina, the film explores family dynamics, cultural differences between the East and the West, and the difficulty in saying goodbyes. It's amazing how I, this Brazilian immigrant, felt so unbelievably seen in this story. But that's the power of cinema. It's why we do what we do. You never know what stories are going to resonate. In fact, the 2006 indie film Little Miss Sunshine was a huge catalyst in Danny's career. I found this fact delightful as it is also one of my all-time favorite films, one I revisit often when I need a hit of inspiration. Seeing that film led to many cold emails and eventually landed her an internship at Big Beach, which put her on the path to eventually become an executive. During her 14 years there, she worked on incredible films, including Loving, Safety Not Guaranteed, and The Kings of Summer. Last year, Danny founded the film and television production company Local Time alongside filmmaker Lulu Wang. Together, they aim to champion emerging storytellers and to focus on narrative possibilities that can open audiences to new perspectives in storytelling. There's so much to appreciate and admire about Danny's journey. So this week we dive into navigating risk and trusting your gut, knowing when it's time to leave a job, and the magic behind her partnership with Lulu. So without further ado, here's Danny. Okay. So, okay, okay, okay. I'm so excited because, okay, when I was Googling you and trying to find previous interviews you had done, I like found one interview, one five minute, very short interview you gave to Sundance last year. And it's exciting for me because then I feel like, oh, I have an exclusive, you know, because we get to like <laughs> learn a little bit more about your journey. And so I would just love to have you take us to the beginning of how, how you found yourself into producing and your journey there. Sure. Yeah. I, knew from childhood but really from high school that I wanted to be in the film industry in some capacity I grew up in New York City um I was like a public school kid and a lot of my friends parents were artists my mother was a writer and actress before I was born and then once I was born she did a lot of like regional theater and she couldn't travel as much and so she actually Mm -hmm. segued from acting into to playwriting and then she got but then she was like one day you're gonna have to go to college we got to figure out how that's gonna work and so she got a job writing on soap operas and she had been on a soap opera when she before I was born 
she got a job writing on soap operas and that's what she did probably from the time I was like 13 to 18 or 19. Um, so that was like my tiny little peek into a very niche part of this industry, but I got to go out to Brooklyn with her to the stages where they filmed as the world turns. And I got to see like the, the, the way those productions work, like it's pretty wild. They have flats and sets and it's all on a stage and it's just like rapid fire. They shoot so many pages a day. Um, Cause they produce five, they produce, I don't know if they're still doing it, but they produced five episodes a week. So that was like my little introduction to like the, I almost want to say like the corporate, like, tr- like, like industry of like the, like the corporate side of, of production. film and television and yeah, production. Yeah. And that meanwhile, I got an internship. I, I wanted to be close to um, any sort of production I could in high school. I got an internship working at like P, like um, PBS channel 13, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, my high school was really great because they, encouraged us to do internships and community service and all this stuff. And I, we were like, why did they make us do this? And uh, it really helped with our college application, one. And two, it really helped people figure out what they want to do ultimately um, yeah. and what they don't want to do. And so I was really lucky to be in a position where I was getting like these little tastes of, of the industry and of production, but not anything I would ultimately go into at all. But from, you know, PBS to the soaps to the um, production that's in New York is really like, those things, news, you know, it's not Hollywood, but it is still exciting, fun to be in that atmosphere. Then I think I started making short films with my friends when I was in senior year of high school. We made some fun projects for like a film, like a, like a video class. And it was really great. And, you know, I just used a camcorder, like a little DVR and yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And um, and I was, in, I was a junior in high school during September 11th when that happened which was really intense. And I actually went out and just kind of like recorded all the memorials that were kind of like these makeshift memorials put up around Manhattan um, and, and all over really the five boroughs. And that was part of what made me think, oh, wow, like, you, you know, you don't like there's a story here. What is documentary? What is that world? I just wanted to just I really realized that this was how I wanted to um He's telling stories visually. And so, and then on top of that, I'm the youngest of four and my siblings oh, were obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> and they were obsessed with, um, was so like, I, I'm uh, kind of complicated. I'm an only child for my mom, but I'm my dad's fourth child. And so my half siblings would spend every weekend with us and they would come like we'd watch movies. And I remember watching two movies specifically, Alien and Indiana Jones that my brothers were like terrified. And I was just a little kid, like, wow, if you can create something that scares my brothers, like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and I think it helped me see the power of film a little bit. Um, and just, I just thought that was awesome. And I was like, I want to be able to do that. So I ended up applying to um, film programs for college. And I was really fortunate to get into NYU with, in a special program for kids who went to public school in New York City that made it a little bit more affordable, which was mm-hmm. great because awesome. it's like, I mean, easy. your mom yeah. working in the industry, having four mm-hmm. kids, like, well, I don't know the, the nuances that she was raising. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. But like, that's, that's impressive. And so was your mom excited that her daughter wanted to go into the arts or was she like, oh, no, no, she knew that's my mom right? was excited. And it's funny because my mom's now, she's great. She's 
I hope she doesn't mind me saying she's 66 and she's getting her master's at NYU right now in arts and politics. And so I think that my mom actually was much more like my parents both were like the black sheep of their family, always pushing me to do something that was creative if it's what I wanted to do, but just to follow my passion Mm. and to do what I want and not to do things traditionally because neither of them did. And um, I actually was probably the one who was like a bit more skeptical, even what, not really when I went to college, but once I was in college, I was like, how am I going to get a job doing this? Like I, this needs to be sustainable. I don't want to have the financial struggles that my parents did. And how do I do this thing that I love, but also make a secure life for myself. So that was definitely something that, you know, I, I definitely grappled with a lot. And I think a lot of, especially independent producers do grapple with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes, maybe you can relate. Um, yeah, yes. So, so I have this yeah, podcast but... to grapple with it uh, here on this format, where others can listen to us grapple with it and then still decide to join us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm really happy life. that I did. But it yeah. is definitely you have to love producing if it's what you decide to do with your life. Um, yeah. But at that point, I didn't really know any of that. I just said I want to make movies and let's see what that means. And my parents were supportive, and my mom had gone to NYU acting school herself. So she was like, Oh, this is so fun. This is full circle. Um, and she was totally all about it. So, uh, plus she would keep me close to home. She was a little sad when I, I got into UCLA and I was like considering going there and I was like, they've got a great film program also. And, you know, she was really happy when I decided to stay stay. in New York. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I went to NYU, it was, it was, you know, undergrad, uh, film and television production, got to do a little bit of everything there, um, which was really fun. Eye-opening to me, having gone to school in New York City, the my classmates were like all, not all, I shouldn't say blanket statement, but variety, like for the most part, very wealthy kids from like wealthy suburbs of the United States. And um, so it was just a different experience than the kids I'd grown up with. and. Uh, you know, looking back at it now, I think a lot about who gets the opportunity to get the education to work in the film industry and what stories are getting told. And I think that it's getting better over time. Even when you see the Sundance lineup this year, like it was amazing. Um, The amount of different, there were stories, there were stories, you know, in dramatic competition from so many more female filmmakers than I've ever scene I mean I think that without trying even just kind of like collecting oh this is what I want to see I was like oh I'm seeing films that are primarily directed by women this is really cool and um but it wasn't like that for so long and I think I went to Sundance like 12 years in a row or something for the most part it's men and white men uh directing movies that premiere there and kind of getting their launch and so um I think you can trace it all the way back to like when we who gets the opportunity at the early stages, like home school. That's right. Um, so it's something I just think a lot about in what I do now. So anyway, it was a great experience. I took a lot of, like I, I directed some shorts, produced some shorts, but producing for me was like driving a truck full of C-stands around New York City and like <laughs> trying to figure out parking permits. It wasn't the creative producing that I that I do now. And um, I didn't know that there was really that job until I got an internship at Big Beach, which was a New York company that I started interning at my senior year 
of NYU. Can we back up though? Because yeah. the story of how you got your internship with Big Beach is, yeah. perce- per- is uh, follows your inspiration of Little Miss Sunshine, having yes. seen that film and how you were so moved by it. And I bring it up because it is also one of my favorite films and it's also yeah. one of those films that made me go, whatever this is, I want to be a part of creating this kind of feeling and oh. people through this lens totally. specifically, like how they were able to strike. Like it was the first time I was exposed to like dramedy or whatnot, you know, really yeah. using humor to talk about dark subjects in our human experience. And so I'd love for you to just quickly tell us the story of how, sure. well, how that was a catalyst, but also what was it about that film that spoke to you and how that led you to Big Beach? Definitely. Yeah. So I was going, uh, I was a, I was maybe a senior at NYU. I think my boyfriend at the time and I went to the movie theater in Union Square to see Little Miss Sunshine. And I was just totally taken by it. I thought it was, I just love that something had me laughing hysterically, but that was so real. And I think that what's really tricky to do and what I want to do in all the projects I work on is always kind of like thread this needle between emotions and sometimes between genres that you want to say comedy and drama, but really like, I think that everything that is heartbreaking in life there's some humor and everything that is funny there's something dark I just I just I'm and I I my husband and I dealt with the personal tragedy this and and traumatic experiences past year and I think that like Mm -hmm. it's so important to be able to find the the it's not like it's happiness necessarily but you have to get through hard stuff with laughter at times And, and even when, yeah. And so I think that, um, I just thought that was beautiful. I mean, when you think, you think Little Miss Sunshine is a comedy, perhaps when you look at the poster and talk about it, but then you think like, there's a, there's a uncle who tried to commit suicide. There's a family who's really struggling financially. Um, there's a little girl getting all these pressures put on her. who's not even aware of it yet, but you you can foresee the future for her. And there's a son who is, you know, just, he's really having a, a really difficult um, teen years. And on top of that, their grandfather, who's a heroin addict, <laughs> dies, like, right? And so that's yeah. a lot. And how do we process and digest things that we go through as humans um, in a way that is entertaining and that really touches and reaches audiences? Um, so that was what I, I mean, I loved it. And so I basically just reached out to, like, cold email, like, info at big beach and also the other company then i realized we're in la and i was like oh never mind (laughs) um and i was lucky enough to get an internship there for my second uh like second part of my senior year of college um and this is important just because i get people ask a lot when they're starting out like oh how do i get started like where do i go and my advice is always what kind of what you just said is to go and look at the kinds of stories that move you already and then find the people that are accessible to try to get in with the 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 brain trust that is putting these stories together because if you know that's where you want to go don't go take an internship out of maybe a company that does only horror genre if it's going to be such a circumvented way to get on this path like actually be intentional about asking for those opportunities and taking those those you know big big risks especially at that time it feels at least I know I for me it always felt like so scary and so out of reach like it's Hollywood it's it's like the industry you know it's like this pressure but then you realize it's just it's just people (laughs) 
Totally. Yeah. And I actually think that like when I was maybe 20 years old, I had a certain naivete of like, oh, I'll just reach out to them and see if they want to hire me. That I think you have to have that kind of just like give no, like, we're going to curse. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. But like, you also have nothing cares. to lose, right? When you're 21, exactly. you it's don't... like, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> keep so going. This, this young woman in college reached out, like, and if they don't respond, it's not the end of the world. So, yeah. And that's what I recommend to a lot of the, you know, when I was working at Big Beach, I often did like exit interviews with the interns um, who were in our program. And we some of those interns who we worked with ha- are like doing really awesome stuff in this industry, which is so exciting to me. Um, but I would always say, if you want to like go look at like the movies that whatever you want to do, look at the movies that went to Sundance or are you into really big blockbusters, whatever you're into, see the type of stuff you want to make who are the producers behind it or what studio was it made with or whatever. And then come to me and say, this is the stuff I like. This is what I want to do. And as your intern advisor, I can tell you if I know anyone at those places and offer an introduction or say, are you guys looking for assistance or when something does open, this is this really great intern we had. And I do think like chasing and identifying the places that are making the stuff you want to make. Yeah. That's what to do versus just like, who's hiring. I'm going to send my resume to them. Like, I, I do think it's really smart to make sure that you're curating your experience, like with who you want to be working with. 100%, 100%. So, okay. So then you go to big beach and at what point mm-hmm. did you realize that you wanted to be a producer? Like what was, when you thought of what a producer was, I guess at that point, how were you defining it for yourself and how has that evolved yeah. So I went, so when I started there, I was most, it was funny, all the producers who were there were actually off in Albuquerque making another movie called Sunshine Cleaning, uh, mm-hmm. this Emily Blunt and um, Amy Adams movie. movie. Yeah. yeah, it was really, yeah. really great. And so they were making that and I was reading scripts that came in and I had done screenplay analysis classes and I, so I liked that. I didn't take in writing classes. So I was just like reading scripts and writing coverage And it was really fun to realize, oh, like any of these scripts I'm reading, the guys who I'm working for might actually make this a movie. And what would that look like? And and to really, for the first time, kind of think about what what is the process? Because the other thing I had done is I had um, been an office PA on a few independent features shooting in New York over summers in college. So up to that point, my experience was as a PA, um, on some indie features and also like a talent PA on some comedy specials that recorded in New York. So I knew the producers existed, but they were these interesting, fascinating people who would show up to the production office every once in a while and chit chat with the director in a closed door and then leave. And I didn't really know what they did. And so I was now seeing the whole process of development and that entire, you know, what happens before a movie gets greenlit and everything that takes to get to that point. And I, I had no idea that was a part of producing. I really didn't. And um, I had a really invaluable conversation early on. I think it was when I was still interning, but at the time, one of the producers at the company was Jeb Brody, who is at Amblin now. Mm-hmm. He's been a really big mentor for me throughout my career. And he sat me down and asked, he knew I was graduating soon. And he said like, you know, what do you want to be doing? And I said, I, I, you know, I think I want to be a writer director because that's what NYU basically tells you, you should go be an author filmmaker. But I really like reading scripts and writing coverage. And I, I think it's so cool to see 
you know, how you guys are putting all these projects together. And he talked to me a little bit through producing and he said he described it as being a jack of all trades, master of none. But you get to be a little bit involved. You get to be very involved in development. You get to be involved in production. You get to be involved in post, but you don't have to be the editor or the director or the writer. And that also you're often involved in the project even before there is a writer or director if you're optioning IP and developing it. And well past the time the film's finished, you know, post-production if you're liaising with the studio. And I really like the idea of understanding every facet of production. And the other thing that he kind of talked me through that was not something I'd really learned at NYU that I was happy he talked me through were the different tracks of of becoming a producer. If you wanted to be a real boots on the ground creative producer, um, because some producers are not necessarily, you know, as day to day, and maybe they represent the IP or something like that, and that's totally fine. But the the types of sort of hands-on creative producers that I wanted to be, he said there were sort of two tracks. And I really took this, and and I, I still tell people this, I think it's a good way of thinking about things. You can sort of be, working on productions from being production manager or location manager to line producer to eventually producing, creative producing your own stuff. And that's one way. And and there's also sort of like being a development exec, like maybe a CE, DOD, and you're producing at a, at a company. But that really, what's really valuable is to have a mixture of those two experiences because sometimes the line producer may not have all of the relationships within Hollywood and the, um, you know, just because they're really immersed yeah. in production, but they might not know all of the sort of like above the line talent reps. And the, the producer who's sort of taken this development route might be really great at giving notes and might know everyone right. in town, but not know their way around a set and what different yeah. people on the set do. And so really, you know, what he emphasized to me was the importance of having experience, both experiences. And I think that's been really, really valuable. Um, and whatever track you take, I think is important to make sure. And it's not really like that bifurcated. There's two tracks and, you know, ABC, but whatever world you come from, it's important to understand more holistically, you know, what all different kinds of producers do. And that was, um, helpful for me in kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And so then going to big beach was sort of more of the development exact track. Would you say at that Mm -hmm. point? Because you were there, what? 14 years? Am I making that up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 14 years. Okay. So at what point in those 14 years, that's a big investment of your life, of your yes. time. Um, yep. And I mean, a great company. They did a lot of great stuff. Of course, they put out a lot of great films, but I'm so fascinated by it because as someone who basically has been a part of like a traveling circus my whole career, like the thought of being in one place for 14 years is like, it, it just, it, it, baffles me because it's so beyond from my experience but for you like at what point did you feel like you were given the reins to be a producer right and wear that that that, like be able to wear that that title with pride and like oh yeah I've arrived you know it really I will say I think that there's something to be said for staying somewhere too long and I think that I did that in many ways Mm. um and it was a lovely place it's changed I mean now I don't really know it's changed a lot. It's I've seen so much change there. When I first started, I was the only assistant. I was the only woman that worked there, and there were five people, I think. And by the time I left, it was much bigger. They had built out a huge, like a very great, robust TV team that made Vida and Sorry for Your Loss, and we had made The Farewell on the film side, and this movie Land that Robin Wright directed, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood that Marielle Heller directed. And so I saw the pro- I saw the company go from tiny to big. 
and um and I was there for a long time and I think that I wasn't I think that maybe I was waiting to be given an opportunity that I had to take mm. and I learned and I and I took it later than I I think I was ready to to be challenged earlier than I but I was waiting for I guess I, I was ready to be challenged and take on the responsibilities earlier than they were given to me but that is because things aren't given to you. <laughs> you have to take them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it was a tough place because I saw, honestly, I saw some other people I worked with who were not women get the opportunities. And I kind of was like, okay, well, when will I get mine? And then it took me a really long time to realize, oh, you're going to have to take your opportunity. It's not going to be given to you. So um, the truth is it didn't really have, I, I, a few different things happened. Actually, I, decided that my husband boyfriend at the time had moved to LA we were together in New York and I was coming out to LA a lot to visit him and every time I came out to LA some great thing happened out of it I'd met a writer or a a great director or like met a line producer we put on a project or whatever it was I said you know it's valuable to be out here it's really helpful to be in the city where the industry is based and this was right around the time focus was closed being in New York Mm. and you know New York film was just changing so I pitched the idea to Big Beach, I should be the LA film executive. We don't have anyone out here full time and let's do that. And they went for it. So I think that's an example of like, take, like pushing and taking and saying like, you need to do, like this is something we should do. No one was gonna propose it to me, um, yeah. but I did. And so I proposed it, they went for it. And being here was super helpful in terms of giving us more of a presence, you know, that company more of a presence on the ground. And it was through being in LA that I met Lulu when we took on her project, that was the only person in LA, you know, um, working on, on the farewell. And so kind of just like ended up de facto, like producing the project. I was also the only person who was like, I'll go to China for, you know, yeah. two months and I'll, I'll do this. And like, so wait, at what point, how many years were you there by the time Lulu came in into your path? And is that when you felt like, Oh, all right, this is what I'm going to take. It's it's, I'm going to go and produce Lulu's project and yeah. this is me taking on this producer role. So before that, was before that, that I was executive producing other projects, I was yeah. finding projects, bringing them in, um, helping develop them and, um, like helping to oversee the process, but not mm-hmm. be key lead on set producer. Yeah. Um, so I was very integral in a lot of our projects that we did. And even when I was an assistant at the company, I was learning a lot about being on set. I mean, it's funny because when you're an assistant, I think you actually shadow a producer, you're shadowing a producer who's like the lead producer. And Peter Serac was on a lot of the projects. I was seeing so much more of like how projects work. And then you get promoted and you're a CE or a DOD or whatever. And you're suddenly like, oh, I'm not like on the ground on set every day, but now it's my opportunity to find my own scripts and develop those and push those forward. And so I did that. So I, I kind of did everything at Big Beach. I started as an assistant. I was, um, and then once I got promoted off of Peter's desk, I was working for the owner of the company. He was directing a movie. I was his on-set assistant as a mm-hmm. director's assistant, which was great. It was a, it was a big production. I got to learn a lot from um, very seasoned uh, department heads. And then I was a post supervisor on one of the indie movies we did where we couldn't afford a post supervisor, a very small movie um, that was great. Uh, and then I was more like EPing projects that we were making, or I wasn't the lead producer on any of them, but I was sort of um, 
you know, very involved in everything from development to delivering the film to the studio. And so yeah. that was kind of what I was doing up to that point, but nothing was really one I could take pure ownership over. And the farewell became the project that I think we met Lulu, maybe the movie came out in 2019. So we made it in 2018. I think we met her in like 2017 mm-hmm. or so. so I was like probably at the company for nine years yeah, and I had been in years. LA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had been in LA for about a year or two at that time. So, yeah. yeah. So you meet Lulu. Yeah. So I met Lulu. The story of her, her story she told on This American Life. Exactly. And how she Mm -hmm. came into your ether. Yeah. Tell us, tell us that little story. Yeah. So she had a piece on This American Life um, that is about how her family, when her grandmother was diagnosed with um, cancer, decided to to throw a wedding for her cousin who wasn't maybe necessarily ready to get married at that point in time as a reason for the whole family to get together in China, um, in the Northeast where her grandmother lived and um, just be all together, but not have it be a sad thing, have it be a happy thing. But back to our conversation about happy, sad. The theme, the theme <laughs> yeah. I mean, what um, I say, I feel like there, the parallels between the farewell and Little Miss Sunshine are... Yes, pal- you know, palpable, like, for sure. Totally. Yeah, I think so, for sure. I actually think when I first listened to her story, and then heard her vision for the for what she wanted to make, I think it's really similar. I think that Big Beach had a little bit of a um, reputation for making dysfunctional family dramedies. But I think there's a reason that those stories really resonate, because whether it's a found family, or your biological family, or whatever it is, family, you know, the people you consider family are some of the most complicated relationships yeah. that you have. And I think that this told the story of a family that was, you know, struggling through a hard time, uh, but also a really beautiful story of a family um, getting through a hard time, both of those things at once, you know? And so I think that thematically it has a lot of parallels to Little Miss Sunshine. And yeah, I just love the story and some of it, I didn't even realize maybe when we first took it on that it would be super complicated in the language barrier, not mm-hmm. even barrier, but the fact that we were going to be, you know, Lulu wrote the script in English. And then once it was actually translated, realizing what percentage was actually in Mandarin, you're like, Oh, right. This is like not primarily an English language film. And yeah. so all, there were lots of like really cool intricacies of shooting this movie that while it was in some ways, like, very much an indie drum family dramedy it also had a lot of aspects to it that make it really stand out and make it feel different from um your average maybe like Sundance family indie but, but it's still a very American story because it's like a Chinese American woman returning home like yeah. it is an American film but it's very different than maybe your average you know set in the suburbs right. uh, middle class family whatever it is like that we've seen a lot on uh, at Sundance and you know that's where we premiered it and then on top of that Lulu's filmmaking style was just really exciting because she didn't want to she's really influenced by um, a lot of European filmmakers and um, like Ruben Ostlin she kept referencing when she was talking about making the farewell and I kind of was like I don't I don't know like that is not where my mind goes when I hear family dramedy but she didn't want to make like your average quirky family dramedy. She was going yeah. to make something that felt, real, felt really elevated 
She's mm-hmm. a classically trained pianist. She wanted to work with a composer that made these moments feel larger than life because for this character, this situation is larger than life. Yes, it's a grandmother dying, but it's also a grandmother dying. Like it's huge it's for this yeah, character. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's so huge that I think what's so beautiful about how Lulu took it on is that she gave it the production value, the score, and all of the details that you would give to something really big because for this character, yeah. it was really big. Um, so I just thought that was super exciting. It wasn't really the way I'd seen that kind of subject matter handled before. Well, and I know you talked about how when this came in, not a lot of people got it or wanted to touch it, how hard it was to get the financing. You wanted to, they want, you know, Lulu wanted to shoot it mostly internationally in mainland China and Hong Kong. It's like, it had so many elements that now it's like, of course, that's what made the project great in hindsight, right? And I know you've been very candid about after this, everyone coming to you wanting to make the next farewell. And you're like, I don't want to do that. And you, you did say this in your Sundance interview, but it's something I constantly think about how everybody wants to be the one to take a risk and find that new fresh voice and like that new whatever. But then also no one really wants to be the one to take the risk. They want someone else to take the risk. And once the risk has been taken and it is proven to work, then they want to find out whatever genius or whatever trade you made with the devil to get, to get that to work. And they want to like replicate that and it cannot be replicated, right? It's such a lightning in a bottle moment in time thing. So, um, I, I, I find that really interesting, especially how with streamers and the shift of the industry and also this newfound interest globally and appetite, right, for foreign language films, like with Parasite doing what it did and Squid Game. And like, I think the farewell, like when we study this moment in time, however many years from now, I think you'll be able to track the projects that kind of were those big um, point points of... Um, infliction right in, in yes time. i think so. this was definitely one of them you know and why do you think it is that the industry or or maybe it's more audiences i wouldn't say it's the industry there's been a shift and in an interest and an appetite for these stories yeah yeah well it is true uh, the first thing you asked I'll, I'll speak to it a little bit was that lulu did have a lot of ways she wanted to shoot this she wanted to shoot in mainland china her grandmother and her family is from Changchun, which is like not even in Beijing or Shanghai, but like a, 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 a big city still, but uh, not a well-known city, not a city with a lot of film production. Um, and we we love the idea of just being super authentic and like, it's gonna be complicated, but let's make it work. And even within our company though, at the time, you know, Big Beach itself, once we did the budget, they said, we can't fully finance this. And I had to go out and find another financier to come in and co-finance. So even though we were so excited about it, there was still trepidation. And Lulu had brought it out before she did her This American Life piece. She had brought the idea out. um, And a lot of the bigger studios, both American and Chinese studios, suggested she have like a white character in the boyfriend or something to make it more obviously appeal to a Western audience. What I think is really cool is that, you know, we cast Aquafina and she said, well, that is an American character. She's American. She's a Chinese American woman that can appeal to an American audience. Like yeah. maybe we need to shift our strict thought of what Amer- what is appealing to an American audience or <laughs> what American is like. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, yes, there were some struggles at first, just in terms of people buying into the concept that didn't work on paper because so much of the formulas that go into making movies 
especially when from financiers, especially from financiers who rely on like foreign sales to put their money together is the track record of everyone involved already. And we knew that Nora um, Aquafina, she was going to be in Ocean's 8. She was going to be in Crazy Rich Agents, but those hadn't come out yet. And we just loved her performance and, and she yeah. did an incredible tape and she just got the material and clicked with it. So there's a certain amount of just needing to take a risk and believing 100% of what you're doing and setting it up for success. Your other question about sort of why, I feel like one thing that made the farewell very successful is it wasn't trying to, at least I, there were several, there were a lot of producers on the project. I don't know what everyone's thoughts were, but I was just like, wow, this is an incredible filmmaker who has a really unique story. To me, this story would be interesting no matter where it was set because this family got together and kept a secret and pulled it off, but their bubble, their emotions were all bubbling up right at the surface. And it's such a great thing for all these different characters. You're saying like, what are all these different characters like in extreme pressure and having to keep it in? And it was just such a fun thing for all these characters to do, all these actors to play these roles. No matter where it was set, I think it could have been a great story to tell. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, this is, it was going to be told specifically through a filmmaker's eyes who had been in the situation herself of returning home where she looks like the people around her because she's related to them, but she can hardly even communicate with them. And what is that like? And so, you know, her specific vision paired with the wonderful story, uh, I was more taken by the story of what this was going to be than, oh, this is going to be an Asian American project that we can do a gold open with and you know all of the language that comes with that like a diversity project or you know mm. and yes of course we, we just cast it authentically because that's what makes sense for this but it wasn't yeah. setting out to fill a quota and I think there's a new a difference though because I because I think sometimes you might say that and then you get you're almost like someone who says like I did it because it was a great story. I don't see color. I don't see race, but that's not what I'm saying at all. Like I see all of these things and it's not like that. It's more like we just set out to tell the best story and this story, this is what it was. And we weren't, we were going to cast it authentically yeah. to keep it real. I think what you're talking about is, is like intention, right? Like the project mm -hmm. already had an intentionality that it could have been about any culture or any group of people said anywhere in the world. And it would have been still, an incredible story, but because it had the intentionality and the perspective of a filmmaker who had already lived this and understood this in an intrinsic way that you can't, you can't fake that. You just can't, yeah. right? Like it just is Lulu all over. That is what I think elevates it and makes it special versus say someone like me saying, Ooh, wouldn't it be really fun? Like I heard, I heard this woman on this American life telling this story. Wouldn't this be a great world to explore? I could explore that, but the lens I will have and the intention behind that will it will inherently be different. And I think that's what makes it exciting, right? If you had taken that same script and given it to any other filmmaker, I don't know if it would have been as right. successful, right? Or as special. And, and yeah. I think that's what it is, is like believing that someone has that the intrinsic quality that you can't quantify because what it is is just life experience. 
at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's like life experience met with skill and talent and the ability to execute. I think that is the formula, right? And then having a group of people like you and, and all the other producers who are there to support and nurture that vision and that intentionality, even if it means walking away from money and others who have a different lens on how they see this world, right? That having right. the integrity, I think, to say, no, this is my story. This is how it needs to be told. Even from like a filmmaker perspective, that that is really scary, right? I'm sure Lulu, prob- I'm sure probably talks about this agnosium, but the amount of versions of this movie she could have made if she wanted to sell out to her vision, but she was like, no, this is the way. It has to be this way, right? Yeah. And I think I think there's something to be said about that. And, I, and when people are like, well, we just need another Asian rom-com or whatever, like, well, then your intention is to, is surface. So thus, that's what you're going exactly. to get. Yeah, exactly. And so, and especially since we started our company, there are a lot of projects that are pitched as the farewell meets this. And, you know, whether it's something for us to produce or for her to direct or whatever, but, and we're not taking on, like, she's got a lot on her plate with the show that we're doing right now. So it's mostly yeah, for us. Expats, to produce. Yes. Yeah. And so, so I'm just like, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to do the next farewell. I find I want to find the next thing that is going to surprise audiences, relate, reach audiences deeply. And that's from a filmmaking perspective that is really, really, really clear. And so it's not finding the next X, Y, Z. Um, even if you want to say maybe like the farewell was the next Little Miss Sunshine, like we talked earlier about how there are similar parallels. I think that the parallels are much more in the effect that they were able to have on audiences and the way they were able to communicate with audiences. Yeah. I think our business really loves to like write narratives about things so they can present it to people in an interesting way. But it's only when you look backwards and you connect those dots that you can even make those parallels. Right. And yeah, there's something to be said about that. But so, so cutting to the present. So now since spring 2021, you and Lulu, after having obviously this incredible experience making the project together, I'm sure it was very difficult. Incredible, I mean, in, in your relationship and <laughs> the bond. You yeah, because I know you and I have talked off mic about how challenging that shoot was. Um, but you know, what then w- was it about y'all's relationship that clearly created this bond and you went off to launch local time and mm-hmm. walk us through all of that because I think so many people look for their like work wife, right? Or their their tribe. And I have found that that is the hardest part of navigating this business is like, sometimes you get lucky and you meet those people in film school and you spend, you know, 15 years collaborating with them. But oftentimes that's not the case. It, it yeah. does come in later in life. And I'm endlessly curious that like, what is it about, right, that dynamic that makes it a strong bond? Yeah, you know, it's really, it's a great question. And it's, and I feel so fortunate to have found someone who's like, who I, I really do trust as a partner. I like that you articulated it that way because I sometimes have to take a step back and be like, wow, this is so cool that this, that this happened because it really is unique and rare and special. Um, and it wasn't an easy shoot. I think that Lulu would be the first person to say that it was so complicated. There were so many factors, language barriers, directing in two languages, um, putting together a production in a city that doesn't have a production infrastructure, 
shooting her great aunt played one of the characters in the farewell working with your own family in the movie oh my like there's so many she layers just wanted to go hard huh <laughs> my gosh it just was like give me all the challenges <laughs> yeah. yeah um and i was also representing the financing so you know i was a producer but i was working for the financier and that's a very different position to be than being someone's producing partner um mm-hmm. where you have their best interest in mind no matter what and i of course had her best interest in mind with the farewell because i think her best interest was to make it a movie that worked for audiences yeah. and that that was true to her vision. And that's what, you know, would be the best thing for the film, for everybody, for the investors and for filmmakers and for everyone. But I understandably, I think there were times where I might say, no, we can't afford this. And she said, no, I really need this. And we were at odds. And so I think that coming out of that experience where she did get to make the movie she set out to make, and despite having her you know, producer be someone who was representing the financing and I still was able to give her all the resources she need to get needed to get it done. I think that was part of what for her, I I mean, I don't know, you'd have to ask her, but I think that's probably part of why she wants to continue to work with me. And um and for me, I have someone who, you know, trusts my opinion and we can bounce ideas off of each other. And also at times she really pushed me in a way that I think, you know, talking earlier about how I maybe you maybe you stay somewhere too long and I wouldn't say say I stayed at this company for too long because I got to make the farewell and that was an amazing experience and it was life-changing and I met my partner at the same time she sometimes pointed things out to me that I was like oh yeah she's like you're the only one from your company here I'm like oh yeah (laughs) like you know these types of things just like you're doing it you're you know you you better be getting a producing credit on this I'm like oh yeah you're right like those types of conversations where I think that she was the out, she's sometimes the outside perspective that helps me even mm. see, um, you know, it just, it, I think it was a great thing to do as a female colleague, as a friend, um, and as someone who obviously respected the work that I was doing. So that was, that was part of it. And then I think the other thing is that we are not afraid to disagree and challenge each other. And I think that sometimes, especially because Lulu's gotten a lot of success from the farewell to be able to do almost anything she wants to do now. Um, like, especially after that, I think a lot of offers were coming her way. And I think that a lot of people would sort of say to someone who's in that position, I'll give you anything you want to do what you want to do. And I think it's important to have someone who is sort of maybe you have a long enough relationship with that they can tell you anything they want to tell you and say, I don't know if that's a good idea. I know if this is a good idea. Oh, I think that's a great idea. Um, That kind of thing. I think that there's value in having someone in your corner who you have known for a period of time where you go back to maybe the early days when everything was a struggle with. And so you trust when they say something is not a good idea, oh, I'm going to actually listen to why why they think that. Not right, right, right. So I guess I'm not a yes man, <laughs> and um, and she certainly stands strongly by her convictions, and so we have great <laughs> yeah. conversations about creative vision for what we want to do, and it's really fulfilling because there's just a lot of excitement between the two of us, and when we when we get talk, like we'll go down a rabbit hole, and like it'd be fun to tell a story like this, and we'll just. It, on and on and on uh we'll we'll just dive into that and it's just really fun because I think we just trust each other implicitly yeah and so local time why this name and what is the mission and the goal now <laughs> in this new in this new this new chapter for you guys 
it took us a long time to come up with a name. Um, not a long time, but there were lots of ideas. One of them was knuckleheads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess we've never made a project in the U.S. until now. We're making a project that was initially going to shoot all in Hong Kong, but now it is shooting partially in the U.S. We are always trying to figure out what time zone we should set our calls for. And we're always in different time zones. And we just thought it was a really fun way of it, one, that's a little bit of a joke between us, I suppose. But also, on top of that, we make films, we want to make films and TV and projects that really transport you into the world of wherever, whatever, you know, the the the, the series or the film or whatever set where it's set and, like, immerse you into that. And so I think we said, like, we imagine just when you're landing on an airplane in a new place and you say they say, welcome to blah, 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 local time. And it's like you're there and you're in it. And that's mm. kind of the feeling that we want audiences to have when they see our work is that they're really immersed in it. I love that. <laughs> I I believe you're going to do it. If it's you guys, <laughs> I can do it, it's you guys. I actually want to switch gears a little bit. And, you know, so much of the impetus for this show is to really shine a light on the lifestyle realities of being a producer, especially a woman working in our business. Um, mm-hmm. And so I always like to learn a little bit about some of the challenges that you have faced. Oftentimes, our industry does a great job at only putting up the highlight reels of people's careers. And I resent that because we all know the struggle behind the scenes. And it's important to, uh, you know, celebrate the work because it is hard. We it's such a short amount of time in comparison to the struggle. But I think it's really important to talk about the struggle. And so I'd love to just hear whether there's a a specific experience or a, a time or a period of time in your in your journey and some of the struggles that you've had, especially within yourself, like I always wonder, because it is so many ups and downs for so many of us, like everyone I've had on the show are like incredible, competent, really intelligent people who could go do anything else, but somehow still choose to be in this, right? And so I'm yeah. endlessly fascinated. So so tell us a little bit about that. You have to love it, like we said earlier, to do this yeah. because it is so all-consuming I think I've been really fortunate when I think about my experience working at a company where I was on salary and had health insurance and was still able to produce and then to go and start a company with Lulu where I have the security that, um, cause we got a first look deal with Amazon. They're wonderful Congrats. partners and thank you. And we're doing the show with them now, but like, yeah. it is definitely, I think, you have to love what you're doing to be in this industry because there's no nine to five aspect of it. Yeah. We strive for work-life balance, but even if you're trying to do work-life balance, for example, for a a big portion of the production of expats, I was here in LA and I was working on Hong Kong hours and that's 15 hour time difference and not purely Hong Kong hours, but I was staying up late to make sure that I could talk to them when they wrapped and going to bed, you know, um, at, 1 2 a.m. so that I could figure out like okay what, what's the plan for tomorrow like those types of things so mm-hmm. I think you have to love something a lot in order to um be able to just kind of like issue the job expectations of like I work Monday through Friday nine to five and that's it that said it's important to create work-life balance yeah and I think the pandemic's changed things a lot too where I and so many people I know get to just kind of be a little bit more of the, the, like just make their own schedules in a way that works for them. And I think it's really healthy for the film industry because I think that our hours are so all over the place. And if we are in production, 
it can be so crazy that it's a lot better if you don't also have like, oh, got to get to the office at this time, you know, in your head. And so that's been a really fun thing about just starting your own company. It's like, I'm accountable to me and to Lulu and we're accountable to each other, but there's no, I don't work for anybody. I work with someone yeah. I respect. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's very clear that you obviously have the, the love and the passion for it, but I do wonder, like, have you even within the love and the passion, like I've always read that, like you can have the dream job and be living your dream, but still kind of hate your life sometimes, you know, and still have like periods of like, why am I doing this? And so, and, and I ask this because like, I, especially before most of my career, and I talk very honestly about this on the show, you know, so much of my identity was always wrapped up in like, the jobs I was getting offered as a producer as I was climbing the ranks and learning the thing and, and having to like constantly battle within myself to be taken seriously and, and be respected. Mm -hmm. And so it took me a long time to like separate that a little bit and, and really make peace within myself. But it did cause a lot of anxiety and, you know, bouts of depression of really, because I, as an immigrant, like I have invested all of me into my career pursuit, right? The pursuit of this business. And I, I, you know, I just got engaged and I was telling a friend the other day, it's like, I was never the girl that dreamed about like getting proposed to. I dreamed about like accepting my Oscar, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like those are the dreams that I had and still have. And, and not that the other stuff isn't great and lovely, but yeah, there's a drive in a, in a commitment to like find a way to work through it all that for me keeps me here and has kept me here. But I wonder, like, what is that for you? And, and in the face of these challenges, have you thought about leaving? Why haven't you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and thank you for yeah. that. Thank you for sitting here. <laughs> we need more. No, of I know. And honestly, I've had some moments where I've, um, I'm actually pregnant right now. And I uh, have, Congrats. like, I think, thank you. Yeah. And one of the things I did was like, I looked up, like, um, I looked up, like, some of the producers who are, who I look up to as women and like, do they have, do they have kids? Like, is like, there were a lot of questions when I got pregnant. I was like, is this sustainable? Am I going to be able to even do my job with a child? And like, and I ended up like Googling people like, oh, they have kids. Oh my God. And they actually had a kid when they made this movie. If you do the math, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, and then an amazing group of women in this industry who are around my age, who are mothers. And I've had some great candid conversations with, and, um, but even the fact that it's an industry where you have to think that for a second, or you find yourself thinking that because it is all consuming. Those are the moments where, you know, I say, should I just garden and like, be a, like, and like be a barista or like, should I, like, what should I, you know, is this going to be possible? Yeah. Um, and uh, look, I think that part, I haven't had a child yet. So I don't know what it will be like. I'm sure it will be complicated, but part of having a partner who, when I told her, she said, you know, I see so-and-so on the red carpet. She's pregnant every time I see her and she's making everything. You're going to be great. Like, look what Ruth Bader Ginsburg did. She had a whole yeah. family and she got, she was a Supreme Court justice. Like the, having that be the response to the affirmations yeah. was like incredible. Um, so that's just one thing that I think helped me. I don't know what it would have been like if I was at a company that was, you know, when I found out and when I knew what I was, that this was happening. Um, if I was where I was before, I don't know what would be the same experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, but your question was much more about how do I keep going Yeah. when those times are tough. And I, I think that 
you have, it's important to take those moments and sit back and say like, why am I doing this? And um, the farewell was a very difficult experience, but the joy of sharing the film with people was so wonderful that to me, it was worth it. And sometimes on my hardest days, I say like, sometimes the hardest things, you know, become the most rewarding things. And I do remind myself that. Um, And then there's also times you just need to say, hey, I'm going to take this weekend, I'm not going to read anything. I'm going to take a bath. I'm going to go on a hike. I'm going to go away for the weekend. You, ha- I think you have to make space for self-preservation and self-care. And sometimes you don't have time for it if you're in production. Like there's no, no it's not. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like most people aren't in production for the majority of the year. And right. so in, so really being careful with the time that you do have, I think is important and helpful and and giving yourself time to not be all immersed in what you do because there are not really like hours in our industry. I think that it's important to set aside the time for yourself. But then there's the bigger moments of maybe it's not time to quit the industry, but maybe what you're doing in your position in the industry at that time is not serving you well. And like the decision to leave Big Beach was one of those for me that I think was long overdue. Um, And there were some moments that I probably should have seen, hey, this isn't the place for you. But I did wait because I wanted to set myself up for the right thing. I didn't want to just make a rash decision. And um, I think that that's important too, is like, especially if you're in something that's relatively stable to make really well-plotted decisions in terms of what you do want to do. So that, like you said earlier, you're not someone who loves drama and you're going to work at a genre company. Like, yeah, it's something that I think producers are good at because you have to think 10 steps ahead Yeah, when you're making a movie, when you're planning something. So like, you should produce your life like the way you produce a movie. And I, like... I always joke that I can't quite produce my life because I can't force certain things into existence, you know, like certain things. You can definitely be always thinking those 10 steps ahead, but that's what, what makes producers so great, right? You can have all the things thought out and all of the plans and then you get there on the day and the one thing you didn't think about is going to be totally. the thing that's going to go wrong. And I think it's a great metaphor for life. And and I love um, on the Sundance video, you did how you were talking about how you got really into puzzling during the pandemic and how, you know, putting a puzzle together, physical puzzle is such a metaphor for producing and thus life, you know, how some days the pieces just don't fit. And another day effortlessly, you just find it. It's just right there, right? But you keep going. And eventually you zoom out. And you get to Mm -hmm. see the picture of what what it is, you know, the image that you're building. And it's it's remarkable. Yeah, definitely. And I also think that producing is a certain amount of um, rolling with the punches and realizing that everything can't be exactly how you plotted it. So you can set yourself up for success as best as you can, but you can't guarantee it. And um, I think that COVID and the the pandemic has given people that in such a serious way. I think everyone's learned that you can't control everything and you have to let go to a certain extent. Um, I think that's really important in producing too is like, people will make mistakes or things will go wrong or you'll have a torrential downpour on a day that you're supposed to shoot it outside and whatever happens, there are things that are out of your control. And I think sometimes as producers, we want to control everything. And I think accepting that some things are outside of your control is an important part of just like being a producer. Being a producer, but I also find that the the mindfulness, like for me, right, it's like being a, being a person who's like, the only thing you can control is your reaction to it, right? Very bumper stickery, like we've all heard this, but it's like when you are in that downpour, metaphorically, literally, whatever, like how are you going to navigate that if people are looking to you of like, are we in panic mode or are we just going to like roll with the punches and figure it out? 
our industry is unique in that, especially as producers, like I don't think who you are on a set or in your professional life should differ from who you are in your personal life. Like you should show up as the same version of you. Like it should never be a story where you hear about a person that you thought you knew and you go, really? That's them? Yeah. Wow. Like I had no idea. Like, cause then it feels so disingenuous, right? I really am on this mission to like create and nurture a space where people can show up as that version of themselves on sets, especially and in production and, and really be able to walk away from the experience, you know, learning hopefully something about themselves when those challenges do come up versus all of the other horror stories we hear and see that have become, you know, stereotypical producerial behavior, which it doesn't have to be that way, you know, it doesn't really have to. Totally. Be that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a generational shift in the, in, in exactly that, what you're talking about, the demeanor, the ability to be yourself, um, the ability to be a good, like nice people who work for you. Um, yeah. And you don't have to be a tyrant to be successful and all of yeah. that. And I, I like to say to myself, when something feels really stressful and overwhelming, we're making make believe, like we're telling stories, like yeah. no one's gonna die. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's just a little bit of like you step back and you're like, oh right, zoom out okay. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think it's really important to maintain perspective when you're making when because you get so caught up in it, your day to day life, it feels all encompassing, and to take a step back is so important. To hang out with people who aren't in the film industry and. The advice I give to a lot of people is you should you should leave LA once every six months. You should go to places where life isn't this industry. Just even being in a coffee shop and just hearing what other people are talking about, like living life, just being immersed in the world and getting out of our bubble, because I think that's where ideas come up. You get to be reminded that there's a different world out there, whether it's a vacation or just going to back to wherever yeah. you're from for two days or whatever it is. You know, I think it's really important. So let's move on to the lightning round. All right. So the first one is, what is a song that teleports you to a happy place? The song I always put on when I'm in the mood for just like kick back, roll the windows down, drive the car. It's Friday, whatever is Truth Hurts by Lizzo. I love it. I love it. <laughs> What's the latest piece of art that moved you? Book, film, TV show, anything? I'm only two episodes in and I just started, but I'm really excited to keep watching Severance on Apple. And I think it's actually really interesting in what we're talking about. It's all about work-life balance and, and it's all about being a different person in your home life and your work life. All right. Severance. Okay. So fill in the blank. When I'm overworked, blank helps ease the stress. When I'm overworked, Playing with my dog helps ease the stress. <laughs> I love that. And it's a very cute dog. I'm going to find a photo of the dog to share when we, when we do the post on social. Okay. What is one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? And it doesn't have to be financial. Uh, therapy, to be totally honest. No. I think that yes. um, especially for our industry, uh, it's important to have a neutral outlet or just place where you can talk about stuff in a safe zone. And it doesn't always have to be about work, but you know, you're not putting all of your stuff on your friends or your partner. And it also helps me be a better producer. I think it helps me think about exactly what you said earlier about, you might not be able to control a situation, but you can control your reaction to a situation. So I think therapy. Yes. Agree. 
All right. This is the last and final question. And this is borrowing from Inside the Actor Studio, which is a show that I love. And one day we'll hold uh-huh. to have an Inside the Producer Studio. Um, <laughs> love it. It's the next evolution of Engelon Producers. Um, so this question, uh, which was inspired by the famed French journalist Bernard Pivot, famously is how the show ends, which is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? That's an that's an intense question. Yeah, I would if heaven exists, and what I would like to hear God say at the pearly gates is that my loved ones have been waiting for me. Those who've, who've moved on, I'm going to get to reconnect with them. Yeah, I love this question. I love how people <laughs> respond to it. Um, so yeah, thank you for playing and going there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time out of your your life to come on the show and share a little bit of your journey and your wisdom with me and the listeners. Like I said, it's such a, it's such a a treat to get to do this and and be a part of having these conversations that we get to share with others who don't get to sit across from you or across a zoom from you and, and um, have this really cool conversation. So I really appreciate it. I think it, it provides a lot of insight and help for others, which is what the show is all about. And so endlessly grateful to you likewise i think it's so cool that you're doing this i think it's something that i wish i had been able to listen to when i was 23 years old and beginning my career and not sure what to do and all of that so i'm so happy that you do this thanks so much for tuning in and doing this life thing with me if you like the show please don't forget to subscribe on apple spotify wherever you get your podcast i'm at carolina gropa the show's at angle on producers And I'll see you next week. Beijos.